How can you know the voice of God? The primary place where God speaks to the believer is true. Now, we are still on our church series. It's important that the church be informed properly concerning the things of God. People are now coming up with their own interpretation of what the word should be or they totally disregard the word of God. And so we're looking at the place of the word of God. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 21, it says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. When Jesus was being tempted in Matthew chapter 4, when the devil, when he had fasted after 40 days and 40 nights and the adversary, the devil came to tempt him because he was hungry and said to him that he should turn the stones to bread. This was the answer that Jesus gave him. And in verse 4 he said, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Hallelujah. The basis of our understanding, all right, or our living, the Christian life is the word of God. If we disregard the word, we disregard God. Hallelujah. For the believer, the word of God takes first place. Whenever we're about to do something, we need to find out what the word of God says. The word of God is final authority. We're not supposed to be arguing when the word of God is clear. I know it is said that the law has been abrogated, has been abolished. Praise God. But in us, the law has been fulfilled and superseded, which means we're living above it. Amen? We're not, if you drop below the standard of the moral law, you are under the law. You brought yourself there. So what am I talking about? Now, the sacrifices under the law have been abolished. The law itself has been abolished, including the sacrifices under it. But it does not change God's attitude concerning his moral law. And so it says, thou shalt not steal under the law, under the New Testament, or the, the, under grace, you don't steal either. You're supposed to know enough not to steal. For example, praise God. In John chapter 5, hallelujah, verse 39, the scriptures also testify of Jesus Christ. Amen? When the Jews were... Uh, when he was speaking with them, he said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. They testify of me, Jesus said. He said, and you will not come to me that you might have life. And so the scriptures give us direction, amen? They give us guidance, 
through the scriptures, we become wise. We become, we come into the knowledge of God. Amen. Now, there is nobody who disregards the word of God, all right, the scriptures that can be a Christian. If God has stated something very clearly in his word, we cannot set it aside. Hallelujah. So the scriptures are vital. Amen. Now, in the scriptures, there's a story that Jesus told concerning the rich man and Lazarus. I believe that's Luke chapter 16. Now, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. Now, let me say this. Some people believe that this was a parable. It is not a parable. And I'm going to tell you why it's not a parable. In all the parables that Jesus made, he never called anyone's name. The parable of the sower, he didn't call anybody's name. When he talked about the kingdom, he never called anybody's name. But in this particular instance, he's calling names. And specifically, he mentioned Abraham. It's important that he can't be making any parable with real names. All right, let's keep reading. He says, verse 23, And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Hell is a specific place. He's not giving us a parable here. Amen? He's telling us a story, a real story, something that happened. Being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. He saw real Abraham that had passed out of this world. Praise God. When he was talking here, Jesus was saying something that was happening in the spirit realm that regular people don't know anything about. All right? And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. That's how come we know that there is flame in hell. It's not a parable. It's a real story. Now, if you are saved, if you're in Christ, you're far from hell. You're seated together with Christ in the heavenly places far above all principality and power. Now, if you're not saved, you are spiritually in hell as it is right now. Once the person passes out of his body, his destination or her destination is hell when they do not have Christ. Now, as somebody says, but what about this time? The law was what was there. Now, now, let me say this. The rich man is not in hell because he had good clothing. He's not in hell because of his good clothing because Abraham had good clothing. David had good clothing. So it's not about his clothing. It's about him keeping the law. 
under the law, Lazarus is not supposed to be by his gate and not be fed under the law. Praise the Lord. Okay. Because under the law, it says that when you go to reap, you go to harvest your crop. You're not supposed to harvest everything. You're supposed to leave the other fringes for the poor and the widow and all of that. So they had a welfare system there. Praise the Lord. Now, if you didn't keep that law, look at the man. Even his dogs were licking the man's wounds. Praise the Lord. So it ought not to have happened. That was the reason why the man went to hell. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he's comforted and thou art tormented. Though Abraham said that, all right, he's not, we know that it cannot be because Abraham ate well. So it can't be because he ate well. There was a law. Glory be to God. And the rich were supposed to do something for the poor in their society. Hallelujah. Then he said, verse 26, beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they that would pass from hence to you, that's from here to you, cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that I would have sent him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that, may, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So his brothers were running in the world and living just the way he lived. And so this man was not trying to persuade Abraham to send Lazarus from the dead. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Now, Moses and the prophets? As at the time Jesus was seeing this, Moses and the prophets had died. How do we know that? Abraham wouldn't say he has Moses and the prophets if they were all alive on earth. Because in the days of the prophets, Abraham, uh, Moses had long gone. And he said the prophets, meaning they had all prophesied completely. So this story is about something happening in the days of Christ, in his earthly ministry. In the earthly ministry of Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ, this thing was happening. That's what he was saying. Praise the Lord. He said, for I have five brethren that he, may, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. You know, there's some funny folk who tell us, who try to tell us that under the New Testament, there's nowhere where it says people should repent. All right. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. How do they hear Moses and the prophets? The scriptures. 
the scriptures. Today, if the scriptures are being read and the world cast it behind them, even if somebody rises from the dead, they still will not believe. Jesus has risen from the dead. Some of them still do not believe. There are miracles happening. They only try to lie about it and say, look, all those things were seen, they're still managed. They, they don't want to believe. There's a reason I'm going through all these things. The enemy cannot steal your faith if your foundation is laid right. First is that Jesus Christ is our foundation. Is the foundation. Bible said no other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ. Amen. Now, in building the house, we're building it with the word of God. Amen. Coming from the scriptures. You know, somebody tried to ban Bibles. It failed. There are things God will not allow. They, they may not acknowledge that God is still operating in the face of man. It does is irrelevant whether they believe it or not. We know. Hallelujah. We know God is still operating. There are things when they get to that point, God just says no. You've gone too far. A time may come after the, the rapture of the church where stuff like that might happen. It might happen. Praise the Lord. But for now, we still have the scriptures. Amen. In Jeremiah 35, from verse 13, I'm going to read. At this time, something that happened and the Lord, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And so God demonstrated, did a prophetic, um, you know, there was something God demonstrated to talk to Jeremiah before Jeremiah would go to talk to the people. So he had called the children of Rechab, the Rechabites. He called them into the temple and the Lord said to put wine before them to drink. And they all refused to drink it. Praise the Lord. So the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah at that time and he said, verse 13, we now come to this point. He said, thus, you know, and the Rechabites said that their father, uh, all right, or the, 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 uh, that their father had commanded that his sons should not drink wine all their days. It was just a command that their father gave. Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction to hearken to my words, said the Lord, the words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not unto me. Verse 15. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way and amend your doings and go not after other gods to serve them. 
and ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But ye have not inclined your ear nor hearkened unto me. Where are these instructions? They're in the word of God, the scriptures. In the day when God made a breach on, Uzzah, on Israel and, and slew Uzzah over the ark of the covenant that he stretched his hand to help the ark, what happened? Men were operating in ignorance and they decided to do something that was contrary to the word of God. And Uzzah died. You know, they were under the law. There was no grace. It was instant judgment. But when David, what did David do? David went and they began to study the word of God, the scriptures, and found how to seek God. And so when he now called the Levites, he said, you ought to bear the ark on staves and not to leave it on a cart. He said that God made a breach on Israel because they sought not the Lord after due order. How did they know the due order? The scriptures. Hallelujah. To the Christian, having said all that I've said right now, to the Christian or the believing one, the word of God is final authority concerning all things. If you allow the unbeliever to convince you that the scriptures are useless, that they were written by men, men, you are finished. So that's what's happening with people taking away scriptures and trying to tell us that it is evolving. God doesn't evolve. The Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not evolving. He said of two immutable things of which it is impossible for God to change or to lie. God doesn't lie. To lie is to change. He's the truth. He doesn't change. I am the Lord and I change not. That's what he said. He doesn't change. Hallelujah. So it's important that we understand that the scriptures came from the Lord. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, all scripture is given by the inspiration, by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So it's from the scriptures that we are instructed in God's way of doing things. That we know the mind of God. That's how we know the mind of God. We don't know the mind of God because of how we feel. We don't know the mind of God because of an experience. Because listen, people have some weird experiences. And so how do we get our compass right to know that this is not okay? The scriptures... The importance of the scriptures. Number one is that they came from God. It is God speaking to us. That is God speaking to us. The primary place where God speaks to the believer is through the scriptures. If you don't read these scriptures and do what you're seeing, how can you say you heard God? Whom you do not see. The one you can see, you've not done it. 
How can you know the voice of God when he's talking, when you're not interested in the written word, the things he has said? The things he has said, let us know what he's saying, what he can say, and what he could not have said. In the base, in the base level of leading of the, of the spirit of the Lord, he said, the Holy Ghost led me. And while he's leading you, he led you into something we know is contrary to the word of God. He said that the Holy Ghost led you to go and make an idol. And so that, how can you say that's sacrilege? The Bible says, he that had not the spirit of Christ is none of his. And as many as are led by the spirit of the Lord, they are the sons of God. So if the spirit of the Lord is leading you, he cannot lead you outside of God's word. What I mean is to, to pervert the word. He cannot. Because God deliberately gave us the word. So that we can see by it. So that we can know when something is true or not.